Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. I need, uh, I need a volunteer over here on this side. Okay. A volunteer in the middle. Okay. A volunteer over here. Lord have mercy. Gonna make me work, huh? A volunteer over here. Okay, so. Well, Faith, you had a hand up first. Wait there, wait there, wait there, wait there, wait there. Okay, I need a volunteer over here. In the middle, thank you, sir. I see you in the back, you can stay there. Volunteer over here, thank you, ma'am. And a volunteer on this side, okay, thank you, ma'am. So, let me see. We're going to have some fun. So, a dozy, yeah, don't worry, you're gonna. So, I have, I think my, who, was it you who, who do I have? Who raised it? Okay, you. And then who was on this side? You. And then I think I had a gentleman back there who raised his hand. Very good. Where are you, sir? Yep. You and Faith, I'm going to need you to sit over here. Okay? And we're going to have some fun. And Adozi, you get ready because you're going to do a whole lot of working. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. I want to encourage you while you're turning there, of course, it's on the screen, that um, this, this month we're going to be giving uh, to the country of Haiti, uh, given what they've gone through. And so uh, the, the global missions group wanted to raise $1,500, but I want us to double it and raise $3,000. So, so during this week, amen, yeah, we can praise God. They, they discovered, they did some research and there's three organizations that will be given to, uh, who we know that will use the money wisely. And so this month, we're gonna be given to Haiti. You don't have to wait to the offering, you can go online to our website, ptspice.org, and under donate, just put Haiti, and by the grace of God, uh, over the next few weeks, two, two weeks or so, we will raise $3,000 for the honor and glory of God as we really make sure that we're a blessing to that nation. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, the, of the priest of Midian. 
He, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, um, he called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for the ground you are standing on is holy ground. I am the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh, harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Can you turn to the person next to you and tell them God is aware of your suffering? Now, just in case you didn't do it, I'm going to give you another chance. Turn to somebody else and say, God is aware of your suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and led them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land of the Canaanites, the land of the Hivites, the land of the Amorites, the land of the Parasites, the land of the Hivites, the land of the, the, land of the Jebusites, the land of the Cambridgeites. Now live there. Look. That's the Brian Green translation. Look, the, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Now go, I am, I'm leading you. I'm leading you. I am sending you. I want to speak to you on the subject fire starter. Fire starter. Fire starter. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Will you draw people to Jesus and speak to our hearts? a word from the Father's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Fire starter. Um, I was, uh, last Sunday, I spoke at a conference and some of you know Pastor Rob Hilton. Well, his, his dad was speaking the Friday night, and he says something that really struck me in my heart. And I, I said to myself, God, that's what I want to be. And what he said, he said, 
I want to be the burning bush that sets a Moses on fire into his destiny. I want to be a fire starter. This, this bush was probably there in the same place for decades. And Moses walked by the bush time after time. And all of a sudden, this one time, the bush is set on fire. And a voice comes out of this bush, the voice of an angel. And the word angel, the name Angela, it means messenger. So out of the mist of a bush, there's this message that comes from the voice of God to Moses. And that voice, that encounter with that bush on fire changed Moses' destiny, changed his purpose, changed everything. Fast forward, John the Baptist is baptizing people and people are flocking from the cities and from the regions, going out into this wasteland, this desert land, to see this prophet, because people are so desperate to hear from God that they're willing to travel miles to hear from God. And they think that John is the Messiah, and John says, no, I'm not the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 3, he says, I baptize with water, but there's one who's coming after who's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. Are you following me so far? You have this man named Peter who, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus speaks purpose into Peter where he says, you, your name was the Hebrew name, Simon, but I'm going to give you another name and I'm going to change your name to Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, uh, you're, going to, you're going to break through into some areas that hell can't stop you from breaking into. Mm. Turn your name and say, neighbor, hell can't stop me. You, you need to believe that. Now, hell will be against you, but hell can't stop what God has placed in you because God said upon this rock, and the rock was not Peter, the rock was the word of the Lord. So Peter is destined to become the leader of the church. <laughs> and, and yet, I don't know, maybe it was a few weeks, maybe it was a few months, maybe it was a year, I don't know. But I do know this, that the word went forth and immediately later on, Peter's life does everything opposite to what was prophesied to him. And this is encouraging you, so many of you, is because sometimes God speaks to you 
And as soon as he speaks to you, you get happy and excited. And then it seems like all of a sudden your life is going in a direction totally opposite from what God said. I think I'm talking to somebody right now. God said he's going to bless you with a new job, a wonderful job. And then next thing you know, you get laid off from the job that you didn't even like. God says you're going to get into grad school. And then all of a sudden, every door closes up. Because the Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, it says that, that trouble and tribulation is going to come because of the word. And my wife shared yes, last week at the first service that you need to understand this. And, and just in case you don't like my voice, turn to the person next to you and you say, my friend, my friend. Satan is not after you. Satan is not after you. He's after the potential that's in you. And that's the word of the Lord. I'm going to use you. And all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. I'm going to make your marriage a blessing to the world. All of a sudden, no, your spouse is talking divorce. Mm. Because the enemy is going to attack the word of God. And that's what happened immediately. You know, we find Peter now. He's before this. He says to Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. And we know the story. Jesus says before the, the, the rooster crows 12, or no, rooster, I don't, I don't know, the rooster, roosters, whatever they do, uh, before the rooster does its thing, uh, all of a sudden, uh, that, <laughs> you can tell I'm not from the country, all of a sudden, uh, what's going to happen is that you're going to deny me three times. No, I'll never do that. And of course, he denies Jesus three times. And the third time, the little girl, about 12, I don't know, 13, maybe even younger, says, uh, aren't you one of the disciples? And, of course, Jesus, uh, Peter swears, no, I'm not. Get out of my face. I don't even know him. And if you don't know the story, you can read it. Uh, you know, he looks at Jesus, who sees Peter deny him, and he weeps. Peter is as far away from being what God said he was going to be as he could possibly be. The only thing worse Peter could have done was commit suicide like Judas. And I know I'm talking to some people right now who, you know, God has spoken to you and people said you're going to be this and you thought you had certain dreams that were going to happen and it seems like, like life has taken your dreams and smashed them to bits and, 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 it's, and there's so many pieces that you're saying, I'm not even going to bother trying to put the pieces back together. But I got good news for you. God is not finished turning what you think is a mess into a masterpiece that will give him glory and give him honor. That's good news for you. So now we fast forward and Jesus, on t now he's leaving and now Peter's like, all right, now what do I do? Go to Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait there until and something's about to happen. So now in Acts chapter 2, after 10 days of waiting where Jesus told him to wait. Are you hearing me? Waiting where Jesus told him to wait. Mighty Russian wind, tongues of fire come upon their heads. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And now Peter 
is a man on fire. The same Peter, and you need to understand this, that Pentecost, if, if you've ever been to uh, Boston, uh, the, uh, I think it's the Esplanade, if I pronounced it right. Uh, did I pronounce it right? Esplanade. Esplanade. I see, I, I'm, anyways, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you've ever been there on the 4th of July, there are, there are hundreds of thousands of people there. Okay? So you need to understand that during the day of Pentecost, it was like that. There were three huge holidays, like 4th of July holidays in the Jewish culture. There was Passover, there was Pentecost, and there was Tabernacle, which is kind of what we just uh, left. And, 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 and what was required is that when those holidays happened, every Jewish male within a radius of 20 miles had to come to Jerusalem. People who were Jews from all over the world look towards these three holidays as times when they can actually leave their country and go to Jerusalem. It was like their dream. It was like going to Mecca. It was their dream journey. It was their dream trip. Are you following me so far? And so now the city is packed with people and, this, and these, these 120 people are speaking in tongues and they come out of their room into a crowd of thousands of people at nine o'clock in the morning. Of course, they said, these men are drunk with wine. And the same Peter, who wasn't even able to talk to a little girl that he knew Jesus, now he stands up boldly and says, we're not drunk. As a matter of fact, this is what Joel spoke about. Whoa. And then Peter he goes on to say, so let everyone in Israel, this is verse 36 of chapter 2, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus. Now you need to understand that anybody who mentioned the name of Jesus in public was to be killed because the same people who killed Jesus said don't ever mention his name in the city again. Peter's like, this same Jesus. And then he says, who you crucified? He's now both Lord and Messiah. Whoa. Where did this happen? Peter was a man set on fire. And after he finished preaching his sermon, Verse 37 says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said unto him and the apostles, brothers, men, what should we do? So Peter was that burning bush set on fire by the Holy Spirit. And now he sets 3,000 other adults on fire so that they can walk in the newness of life. I say all that to say this, that I want to be a fire setter. I want to be a fire starter. I want to be a man so set on fire by the Holy Spirit. And over the next couple of months, we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit.
because I believe he is the only hope for us walking in the purpose of God so that the world can be redeemed to Jesus Christ. It is not by might or it is not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to your name and say, neighbor. Could you put your phone on vibrate? Put your phone on vibrate. Because we're we're getting into some serious business now, and we don't want anything becoming an interruption from the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, Yes, I need... I need all my tools. Ah, yes. There's my cell phone over here. Yeah, I got it. Pass me my cell phone, please. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Ah, my notes are on here, so I'm not, you know, calling somebody. Okay. So, I'm talking about a fire starter. He told him to wait where? In Jerusalem. I, I want to talk to you about what it takes to be a fire starter. I, I, I've come to the conclusion that when I die, and this needs to be, I don't care, we're not all guaranteed to grow old and, and live out, as, as David said, no, our three score and 10, meaning 70 years. Some of us may pass away far too soon, but I believe that no matter when we go, our goal should be that somebody says, somebody in this earth says, I thank God for, and put your name in there. I. That's that's how I'm living my life. I want somebody to say, when I die, I thank God for Brian Green. I'm here also to say, my wife shared this last week, uh, where she was saying that uh, she had a struggle with her own identity because being... Uh, the youngest of nine and having a space of four years between her and the the last sibling. And of course, there's four boys and four girls and she's the tiebreaker. And and, we discovered that uh, she she was no, and oops, she was not planned. Are you following me? And, And we used to say that humorously, oh yeah, no, she's a noobs, but God, praise God, he thought of Brian and he made sure that Brian had a wife. <laughs> but when you go through life thinking you're an oops, then you start thinking you are a mistake. Some of you, maybe you were born uh, out of a love affair between your parents. Some of you maybe. The only thing your father was, was a sperm donor. Maybe some of you, your parent tried to abort you and then changed their mind. The point I want to say to you is that you, if nothing else, this has got to be the moment that you have to decide that you were not a mistake. You were not an oops. You may have been an oops to your parents, 
You may be an oops to, to people, but you were not an oops for God. And as a matter of fact, God wants you to know that he was not trying to figure out what to do with you when you were born. He was like, oh my goodness, uh, I didn't know. Gee, what are we going to do with this person now? God, uh, I know we love to quote the scripture in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the plans that God has for you. And I know it's nice to say God had a plan for me when I was in my mother's womb. But God says, no, I'm better than that. I had a plan for you before you were born. No, I'm better than that. I had a plan for you before the world was created. No, I'm better than that. I had a plan for you before the earth, before the universe was created. I had a plan for you from eternity back. I was just waiting for the right time to send you, and this is the right time. He didn't go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I think you'll be born in the 21st century. No, God had a, just like Jesus was sent to planet Earth, you were sent to planet Earth. You just got to decide whose assignment you're going to fulfill. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's made a difference in my life. I was sent to Cambridge. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute. You, 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 you were born here. I was sent here. There's something empowering to know that where you are, God sent you. And that's right. That's why some of you, your grades are all jacked up, but you still got into Harvard and MIT and Northeastern and BC. You were, how did I get in here? You were sent there. You look at your resume, they'll never send me, and I'll say, you get the job. You were sent there. Amen. Credit all jacked up, and you still got into that neighborhood. You were sent there. Amen. Can't put two words together, but God still call you to preach. You were sent. Because it's not by might, and it's not by power. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. But you get it mixed up all of a sudden because you got in the door. You think it's you. Mm, mm. I think I'm talking to some folks here. And then once you get in the door, you're, you don't say it because you say, God be the glory. You know, you do all that holy stuff. But in your mind, your, your actions say to God, I'll take it from here. I just need you to open the door, but I'll take it from here. And God says, okay, help yourself. Go, no, no. Mm. But you are sent. You were sent here. And, and I want to I I say this to you. Um, Elder Albert, Elder Jenny, where are you? Raise your hand right there. So, uh, so you say, why are you talking? Because you don't join a church. They, 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 they teach our partnership, church membership. So you may want to see them at some time. Hopefully, if you get flooded, you blame me. You don't join a church. Some of, some of us, we go to church like it's a mall. Oh, they got some nice shoes in Nine West. Let me go in there. Uh, let me go to all those. Oh, let me go to... Oh, Fendi, no, that's too expensive. We'll try to make, you know, we, we, we shop for churches like it's a clothing store. 
You don't, you don't pick churches. Ooh, that church has an amusement park. That church, they have a coffee shop. That, well, they only got, well, they only got about 50 people. They'll close down pretty soon, so let me not. He needs to decide the church that he has for you. Well, that church, ooh, they got a lot of black people. I don't know if I should go there. Oh, that church, they got a lot of Asians. I don't know. They got that church. They don't even speak English as the first language. Why they try to even go there? That you don't get to choose church, but because you didn't get to choose your being here in the first place. I don't know why God is speaking this because you need to understand that God has a place for you, and no devil can keep you out of that place. And so, the fire starter, if you're going to be a fire starter, because I'm not here just marking up time, I want to set my world on fire for God. I, I want to be the person who, when somebody else feels like throwing in the towel, I set them on fire with zeal and passion to finish their course. I want to be the guy who, who when someone is... is, is, is is, is, is basically the gasping for air and they're about to die. I want to be able to say, breathe, breathe. And, they, and next thing you know, they're, they're up and ready to say, where is the devil? I want to be that kind of person. And it has nothing to do with, oh, well, you know, you have an outgoing personality, which I don't. You don't have, you know, I'm, I'm just a fake extrovert, trust me. Amen. I'm a fake extrovert. Once, once the clock strikes about two, don't talk to me. Don't call me. I can do bad all by myself. Okay. We're talking about the fact that, that, that you can have a, you can be burning with passion and be quiet, but people know, man, when you're with that person, something stirs up that makes you want more of God. Four things that make you a fire starter. Number one, you got to be faithful. Number two, you got to be an intercessor. Yes, yes, yes. Number three, you got to be restful. And number four, you have to have an eternal perspective. So, come here, Dozy. This is what I want you to do. I want you to just start walking around the church. And don't stop till I tell you to stop. You just keep walking. So what happens many times is that the presence of God comes and he's looking to set somebody on fire. And so he sees someone like a dozy. What did I tell you to do? <laughs> but every time he's chasing a dozy, Okay, I'm going to set a dozy's on life on fire. Keep going. A dozy. He's trying to set a dozy's life on fire. So, well, maybe I'll meet a dozy at the pass. Surely. 
And what happens, well, what's this about, Pastor? This is about some of you. The reason why God can't set you on fire is because you're always moving. You see, a person who God sets on fire has got to be faithful to the, to the place where God put him or her. But some of you, because things aren't happening, well, let me go over here. Let me go over here. Instead of being where God left you to be faithful and loyal to the place where he called you to be faithful, if he says, I want you to be an usher for eight years, then be the usher for eight years. It's quiet in here. If God wants you to stay in that sorry job for 10 years, stay there for 10 years. Ooh, it's quiet in this Pentecostal church. And then some of us, our character is so shaky. God wants to light us on fire, but our character is unstable. We're up, we're down. One moment we're trying to live holy, another moment we're like living carnal. Some of us are still trying to decide whether we're going to stay a Christian or full of Christ. So what God does, he said, you know what? Seeing that you can't be faithful, I am going to find somebody who is stable. Who who will be still and and I'm going to set them on fire. I'm going to find somebody with, yeah, I'm going to find somebody who, who spends time in my presence so that because they're not moving all the time, I'm going to set them on fire. You see, God, just like just like these people who have the candles, the Holy Ghost knows where to find you because he knows where he left you. He's like, yeah, no, no, you don't don't pass anybody up to your candle. (laughs) And how old are you, Faith? She's eight years old. See, See, God doesn't care what age you're at. Just like he found Samuel, He'll find you. So why? So stop waiting till, well, when I get older, then I'm going to walk with God. Are you with me? You know why some of us go through crisis? I'm going to show you what a crisis does. (laughs) Some of y'all are going to be sorry you came to this church. I got it. So what happens many times, because you're you know, everywhere and 
what God does is that he sends crisis. And then now you're crying out to God, oh God, they're going to kick me out of school, oh God, I'm going to lose my job, oh God, they told me I had kids, oh God. And God says, now that I got you still, I can speak to you. Turn in there and say, neighbor, he's talking about you right now. Some of you, the only reason you're going through what you're going through is because God is trying to keep you still enough Amen. to light you on fire. Now keep going. You can blow it out. Let's, let's, let's fake. Well, actually, I can trust you. Keep walking. Are you with me so far? Now, the other thing is for some of you, is this coming across all right? Yes. <laughs> then then this, is the, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Adolzi, why don't you come up here just for a moment? Because, why don't you sit, why don't you sit here? Just, just, sit, just sit here. Okay. Okay. This is the tough part. When we had the when we had the uh, the ten days of prayer, <laughs> and I was sharing that in 1978 the Lord gave me an open vision of of uh, sorry an open heaven over Pentecostal Tabernacle it's going to be revival, and I have been possessed by that vision for almost 40 years, and that's why I stayed in Cambridge because I said God I want to see that, and I remember. Uh, I remember Jonathan Frizz, the head of 10 days, who he's got like five or six children. And he came up to me, and if you've seen him, he, I mean, he's a big, strong guy in his mid-30s, and he says, wow, you've been waiting on God longer than I've been alive. And I said, thanks a lot, pal. <laughs> but I thought about that. And I'm saying that for some of you, God wants to use your fire, but you may have to wait decades. <laughs> so you had a little like, hmm? <laughs> we all would like, where did I put those matches? I'm going to burn the church now. We, 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 we all would like God to just light it up right away. Boom. But you know what sometimes God does? <laughs> and he has the magnifying glass and he's like, no, don't worry. It's, it's, it's going to light up sooner or later. Oh, you see, because what does it take to light this candle using a magnifying glass. So, the Bible says in Psalms 84, verse 11, the Lord God is a sun. And sometimes God says, you know what? Yep, 10 years. 
20 years, 30 years, you can't move because if you move, you have to start all over again. Some of you, the devil's trying to get you to keep moving, and then you're wondering five years from now, why isn't happening? Ten years from now, why? Because God says, you have to stay still. Be still and know that I am God. That's why the first thing about a fire starter is that you have got to be faithful. Mm. Are those candles still going out there? I hope you didn't blow them out. Okay, so now, now let's, let's assume that you, you may forget the message, but you're never going to forget this illustration. So now, ooh, now I know some of you ain't going to like me now. Keep walking. Keep walking. Some of you actually lit on fire. But you're so busy trying to find the place where you want to be that people, you're not slowing down long enough for the Moseses that God is sending to your life to light their fire. Keep going, keep going. And so they're trying to, but you're, you're, busy. So what ends up happening, God sends you to somebody who is loyal and faithful, who's spending time with him, who's not, who's, who's not trying to create their own opportunities, and they spend enough time, so now their fire is lit. So my sister here simply because she has spent time being loyal and faithful to God in the place that God called her to be, she has now lit my fire. And now, here I am, walking around with my fire lit, feeling like I have purpose, are you with me? Feeling like I have destiny, feeling like let your light so before that they may see whose good works, whose good works, my good works, but they give the glory to God. What are you saying, Bishop? Every time you come into this place, every time you come into this place, thank you, sir. You can sit down now. Now, because of all, because of, you, you, you worked hard, so, now. Give me five minutes and then we'll pray. Every time you come here, I want to make sure that this place is on fire. I mean, we don't have to be, fire is not running around the church, swinging from the chandeliers. You know, that, that, you know we, we mistake activity for fire. There are some churches, I, I have preached places where I taught like this, and 
And it's like, and then I, then I have to say, then I do, do, I, just, I do this, I'm like, oh, okay, oh yeah, this is one of those crowds. And the Lord said, ha, you gotta live right, ha, the presence of, and now, now the people are like, ah, you better preach, sir. What? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Okay, okay, if, if that's what I have to do to light your fire. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against that kind of preaching because I do it too. The point is, is that activity is not fire. I want... I want this place to be so anointed that when you come in here, you, you get lit up by the Holy Spirit so that when you go into your jobs, you're a fire starter. People say, where have you been? There's a, there is a focus, there's an intensity. I want you to be so set on fire that when homeboy comes to you and say, yo, baby, what's up? You say, no, are you up with Jesus? Then you be the step. <laughs> see, see, that's what I want. I, I want, I want, I want a, a people who have a passion. I, I want a people who, like the Bible said about Jesus, the zeal for God's house consumes you. That's what I want, to be faithful. The Bible says, let me hit these three, four points. Number one, faithful. Psalm chapter one, verses one to three, talks about that the righteous man shall be like a tree, what? Planted, planted, planted. You gotta be planted someplace, folks. You gotta be planted someplace. My, my elder, Elder Troy, many of you know him. I, I, he was my Sunday school student when he was 14. 14. 14. 14. I feel old. Because Elder Troy is, is, is going on 50. So he was my Sunday school student when I was 14. Some of you are like, well, how old are you? I'm 20. I'm 20. <laughs> Only can forgive me, Lord. <laughs> I'm 57, so you don't have to guess. So anyways, I had him at 14, and, and because of, you know, like most young people and teenagers, he went off and, you know, really just, like, he, he, went, he went out there. But he, he came back around, uh, I want to say, in his late 20s, around there. And, and what happened was this, and he shares this story. You can ask him. He's, he's in the low sanctuary now. He's an elder in the church. Uh, he's been he's led the 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 the, re, um, the refurbishing of this ministry, but I asked him. I said, "What made you come back?" And he said, "Because my life was going crazy. I remembered that the one place where I had peace was in God's house when I was a child." Watch this. And he said, "And what struck me is that when I came back to." Pentecostal Tabernacle, almost 20 years later, whatever, he said, you were still here. When people who God's connected you with, you with go out there and do whatever life they do, 
can they come back to a place and find that you are still living for God? That you st- I'm not telling you that you have to be in a, still in the same physical place, but are you in a spiritual place that people can come to you no matter what they've gone through and come back and say, you know what, if I'm with Sister Debbie, I know I'm going to get a word from the Lord. If I'm with, you know, uh, Sister Z, I, I know that I can go back to her and get, and get my soul set on fire. We need to be fire setters. We need to be the type of person that, that, that Nicodemuses at night can come to our cubicle or come to our office and say, I know these people think you're crazy, but there's something about you. Can I talk to you in private and get a word from the Lord from you? Students take you aside and say, yo, I need, I need to talk to you. And they stop pouring. Has that ever happened to some of you? No, they, they pour out their hearts to you because they know where the fire is. Intercessor intercessor. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, God says, I'm looking for an intercessor. An intercessor basically is a connector. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, this is the fun part. Some of you need to understand, we, we need to understand, help me Jesus, that we are a bridge to bring people from the world to Jesus. I know we like to say Jesus is the bridge. I get that he is the intercessor, but we are called to be intercessors. Which means that, oh, because I'm a bridge bringing people to Christ, sometimes as a bridge, people are going to walk on you. Mm. Ain't like that mother coming. See, 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 I'm sick of people walking on me. You're the one who said, use me, Lord. <laughs> use me to bring people to Christ. God says, okay, so people are walking on you. That, it was quiet. It was quiet. But that, I'm, I'm, I'm t- <laughs> if you're going to be a fire starter, you've got to enter into his rest. He, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11... So Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 to 11 says, he who has entered the song, he says, there remains a rest to the people of God. He who has entered into God's rest has ceased from his own works. If you're going to be a fire starter, you have to stop doing your own thing. If you're going to be a fire starter, you got to stop helping God. Graduated from Bentley in 1981. Sending out resumes. This is just me. This is just me. So I'm not saying you should do it. Sending out resumes. And, and um, Kendall, the Lord told me, don't send out another resume. I am going to bring the job to you. And my response to God was, well, my spiritual response to God was, thank you, Jesus. My mind's response was, this is crazy. Yes. <laughs> Can I get a witness out there? This is crazy. This is crazy. This is nuts. He said, don't send out another resume. I will bring the job to you. A month later, God brought me the job. And 
the job he brought me now has allowed me to have friendships with people in the government of Cambridge because God brought that job to me. But my point is, the Bible says he who has entered into God's rest stops trying to make their own way and lets God make the way. When we went to buy our house, we looked at 28 houses. Did I? I? 28 houses. And we looked at 28 houses, part of it's because we were disobedient. Because we saw the price tag of this one town, and we said, God, we can't afford it. And God said, who said, I didn't ask you what you could afford, I asked you to obey Say this with me. God is not looking for me to understand. He's looking for me to obey. God, why are you having me give all this money to the church? I'm not, I'm, I'm not asking you to understand it. Just obey. Just obey. When we obey God, we enter his rest. And we let him work. And then when he pulls it off, because it's so crazy, Brother Paul, when God pulls it off, guess who gets the credit? Come on, folks. Hey, Joshua, what? Walk around this wall 13 times and the wall will come down. Really? Hey, Moses, yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble. Hey, Moses, what? You got that sticking in? Yeah, just point it. <laughs> You're kidding, right? Point it. What's God telling you to do that's so outrageous? My final point, eternal perspective. I have made up my mind that I'm living for eternity. Life is short. Ten years from now, I'm thinking now, ten years from now, Adozi, you're how old now? You're 12. 10 years from now, you're going to be 22. 10 years from now, you're going to be out of college. Amen. <laughs> Faith. 10 years from now, you're going to be 18. <laughs> I heard you say, Lord, have mercy. And folks, it goes like that. Ten years from now, Patrick, you and your wife will have eight kids. (laughs) (laughs) Holy (laughs) kids. And that's the pin you'll cement to you. (laughs) Holy kids. They're like, I rebuke that spirit. (laughs) The devil is a liar. (laughs) But my point is, is that I am thinking 
And we need to be thinking with the eternal perspective. Too many of us are making decisions about now and don't think about eternity. Oh, this is, this is tough now, Carmen. And so we, this, this is going to be strong medicine. Mother Cummings, Mother Green, pray. So we marry an unsaved guy who doesn't love Jesus or an unsaved woman who doesn't love Jesus, not realizing that we're going to have children through that spouse who now is going to be tougher for that child to follow Jesus because one of their parents is not. So because of your I can't wait, you could possibly ruin the destiny of the seed that God has given you. Folks, this stuff is serious. You're, you're not just affecting you. You're affecting wherever God wanted to send you, but you decided to make a choice not based on eternity. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians, the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So I'm already thinking, how is PT going to be when Brian Green is no longer pastor? You've you got to be thinking with eternity. You've got to be thinking, God, as I set people's lives on fire, how do I affect, you No, know, we have a lot of young people here, and how do I affect them 10 years from now when they're you know, heads of companies and heads of, you know, states and, and, and married and, 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 and raising children. What, what, you, you've given us a space of four years. What did we put in their lives that prepares them for eternity? Be a fire starter. I want to close with this letter. Thank, thank you so much for your patience, but I want to read a letter to you that that I found in you ever clean out a, a pocketbook or a jacket and you find something you're like wow I found this letter and I said God you are so wonderful to remind me that and I'm sharing this with you not to pat myself on the back, but to, to challenge you as young people that right now you can be a fire starter that impacts not simply people your age, but people who are older. Let me start with people who are younger. On my 21st pastoral anniversary was, was this past June. Bunch of kids decided to write me to, to make happy anniversary cards for me. These kids were all, I think they were like 11 and under. And so, you know, you're expecting to get, you know, the stick figures. Happy, happy anniversary. <laughs> Are you following me? Come on, folks. And, and, 
Now, some of you parents, you, you know, you put your children's art up there and it looks like a, you know, Picasso to you, but your coworkers are like, when, come on, really, when's that coming down? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, 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 and so that's what I'm expecting. But I got two cards that I laminated because I said to myself, I want to remember this, that whenever I feel like as a pastor, I'm not lighting people on fire, this is going to remind me that, I, that God wants me to light a generation on fire. This child is, I think, 11. 11. I'm telling you today, 11, because when I read it, you're going to say, what? 11. Happy anniversary, Bishop. Thank you for giving engaging sermons. I don't even, 11 engaging sermons for 21 years. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then they put, also, happy wedding anniversary, 1D. But anyways, then this person is, I believe, this person is nine years old. Nine, nine. Dear Bishop, you are an amazing pastor. Your sermons are so entertaining. Thank you for being such a good pastor. Congratulations on your 21st birthday. I mean, sorry. I'm oh, sorry, 21st anniversary, 21st anniversary, 21st anniversary, 21st anniversary. But I'm like, your sermons are so entertaining. Nine years old. And then his final letter, I was cleaning, I found my, I was hanging up a jacket and I felt something in the pocket and I saw it said Bishop Green, and I was going to just toss it. So let me open it. And I'm glad I opened it. It says this Pastor Brian has been impacting my life since his teenage years. Since his teenage years. Although I didn't realize it at the time, during his adolescent years, I remember his love and respect for me, which continues to this day. And his love and devotion to the church and to the work of God. As Pastor Brian grew into manhood, I admired his consistency. When I served and Pastor Brian was on the deacon board, there was a crisis in the church. The Lord spoke to me to ask his advice, which I followed. I'm in my mid-twenties and they're asking me advice. God performed a miracle and we gained the victory, the results of which we are, which are still evident in Pentecostal Tabernacle today. I have also been impacted by his vision for Pentecostal Tabernacle, which is to add spice to the lives of those attending our church. 
He desires to see us help people to grow spiritually, physically, intellectually, characteristically, and economically. I strive to do my part in making this vision become a reality. Pastor Brian has a tenacious faith. He leads us in the area of prayer by challenging us to expect great things from God. Several years ago, when we were still a very small church, he instructed us to pray for the release of souls that belong to Pentecostal Tabernacle. Following his lead, we called them from the north, the south, the east, and the west, and they are still coming. I have watched Pastor Brian in the face of adversity. He exemplifies the scripture, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. May God continue to expand his borders and enlarge his territory as he continues to lead us into doing great things from God. Deacon Cecil Cummings. Deacon Cummings passed away this past February at the age of 91, 91. And for me, the blessing is that he could look up my entire life and see that I've been faithful. And that's what I want for all you young people. That 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, people could look at you and say, you know what? You've always been that dude that I can come to. You've always been that lady I could come to. You, you, you've always been that person. God needs you to be a fire starter. And that's why I'm so passionate about particularly young people because I, I remember, I remember when I was going to leave PT because of crisis. And I always say to my wife, when I look at the many of you who, I've, who have become, I couldn't even imagine ministry without you. I said, God, if we'd have made the decision to leave because we were under fire, I would have never met, and if I start naming names, I'll be in trouble. But God wants you to be a firefighter, fire starter. I'm going to ask you to stand at this time. I know I was long, but we have a guest speaker next week, and I want this to marinate in your spirit so that when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, that you understand we're talking about the Holy Spirit using you to impact the world. What I am looking at in this audience are so many tremendous gifts and talents and abilities. God is going to take some of you places that you will pinch yourself and say, I can't even believe I am here. And it is so imperative that when God opens the door for you, that because you're in his presence, 
he can trust you to fulfill his agenda and not yours. Lady Carmen and I, when we were, and I'll send out a report, when we were in Romania, we were sitting at a table with so many dignitaries. I was sitting next to the wife of the former Romanian, American ambassador to Romania. At the head of the table was the ambassador from Finland to Romania. And we're sitting at this table saying, who doesn't belong at this table? <laughs> and the Lord said to me, I put you here. And so while I was sitting there, you know how you're, know how you're at a place and you don't want people to look at you with the attitude of what you're doing here, all you're doing is window dressing? So I sat there and I prayed. I said, God, help me to come up with something that is an indication as to why I'm here. And after I prayed, the Lord dropped in an idea in my spirit. And when I said the one thing I did say, everybody was like, oh, my goodness, that's a great idea. And I was like, that's right. That's right. No, I said, praise the Lord. You're going to find yourself places. And I think that that's what this message is all about. You're going to find yourself in places before people with, with finances you never even dreamed of. And God has to know that you're going to use whatever he's given you to set the world on fire for him. It's tall and broken.